0: Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. (laughs) All right, guys, we are live on YouTube. Oh, scary. I know, right? So welcome, everyone, to another installment of MSP Webinars. Today we're going to talk about a fun topic, one one that never gets old. Uh, And I'm hearing myself because I forgot to close the YouTube tab because I'm a genius. Uh, so, so this is a topic that never gets old, right? Ernest, what, uh, what PSA are you using? Uh, Kaseya. Uh, David, what PSA are you using? You're, you're muted or something. Connect wise. All right, Matt, PSA? Connect-wise. I'm using Autotask. Why aren't we all just using the same one? I mean, the, there's <laughs> got to be just a magical reason that like one should just be the winner, right?
1: Not the no. truth.
0: Nope. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about our stacks and why we went with what we went with, um, and we'll even talk about if if you had to do it all over again, uh, we'll we'll talk about if you plan on making any changes in the foreseeable future. Um, That kind of stuff. And we will definitely have time for Q&A from everybody. In the top left of your screens, um, those of you that are uh, attendees, there is a button that says Q&A. It might not show up until you're moving your mouse around on our pretty picture, on our pretty faces, but uh, that's there. And you can can pop the questions in the Q&A section. If you put them in chat, they just may get lost because we may have... We may have a hundred people here today, guys. I'm just going to keep it real, okay? Um, so definitely try and use the Q and A section. So, <sighs> PSA, we already we already kind of asked that. Zach, I, I forget what one you're using.
2: MSP Manager.
0: I don't even know what that is.
2: It's it's from uh, Solar Winds.
0: Oh, it's that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I and there's a good reason for that. Um, I'm. Part of uh, a group that Solar Winds runs internally, called the User Experience VIP group. Basically, mm-hmm. I work with their devs to make it not crappy.
0: Now, Your is that guys. the one that used to be the the Solar Wind? Um, what what the, what the hell were they? The GFI Max Dog Solar? Yes, panel, yes,
2: those guys. those guys. Those well, guys. Logic Hound now, dog, yes. GFI Max uh or sorry hound dog gfi max uh logic now then solar winds that is the the correct progression and i lived through all of that
0: there we go um all right so ernest you said you're using You're Uh, using Kaseya
1: and Kaseya, yeah, both both a full Kaseya stack at this point.
0: So I actually, just just because I know everyone's going to laugh at me for this, uh, about 42 minutes ago, I signed up for a trial of BMS just because I wanted to see if uh, it was any good or not. What are your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, We don't use it for any billing or finance. Uh, We just use it as a straight ticket system uh, and CRM. And as ticketing and CRM, it works fantastic. It does, it's it's a, I, I wish they would do a true mobile app for it is the one concern I would have with it. But otherwise it has pretty much everything else that we need.
0: So I gotta ask the silly question. Mm-hmm. If you're literally just using it as, as um, well, I guess it's not too expensive at 25 a user, but if you're just using it as a ticketing system why not just use Zendesk?
1: Uh, that's a great question. And the reason is because as partners of the 20, it's part of the requirements. Uh, so that's, that's why we're using it. It's, it's part of what uh, comes with the 20.
0: I thought ConnectWise was part of the 20.
1: Mm -mm. Nope. There was a major, major news made big headlines in our industry several months ago, uh, when the 20 switched from a full uh, ConnectWise stack to a full Kaseya stack.
0: Okay. Now, um, so that explains why you're using what you're using. Your your hands are kind of tied.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: <laughs> but but with that, with with the twenty, you also have a lot of cool things that come with that. When it when it comes to um, additional support and just back office stuff that comes mm-hmm. with the twenty, right? Okay. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with the twenty, um, we we can't we can't really talk about it because you have to sign an NDA. I'm not in the 20 because it, I just didn't feel like it was for me. But if, but if you go to, I think it's T H 20com uh You can learn more about the 20 and it's, it's a really cool program. Um, it, I, how, Ernest, how, how would you describe the 20? I feel like the 20 is, um, um, like turning your business into a franchise that you still 100% own.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's one way to look at it. Uh, Continuum 2.0 is another way to look at it. Um, they're, they have a very interesting... The 20 is, is really cool for businesses that are looking to grow and expand uh, and that, that don't want to deal with the day-to-day operations of stuff.
0: Got it um david i believe you said you are on connectwise yes what were you on before connectwise
3: um very briefly on uh the gfi max dog logic platform (laughs) Uh, and then i i quickly signed up for connectwise after that
2: when you say (laughs) connectwise do you mean connectwise automate plus connectwise manage or
3: yeah, I'm 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 the full Connectwise stack with a uh, Connectwise, LabTech, uh, and Quozal.
2: Right. Okay. And when you say you switched from Hound LogicDog Dog Max, uh, were you on like Service Desk Plus, uh, Solar Winds RMM, or and Central? Like, what were you using? Um, I was uh, so I, I was using uh, Max
3: Logic Dog as my RMM at the time, and I hadn't uh-huh. yet. Uh, signed, I, I'd signed up for their MSP service desk, their, their version of the PSA, but I hadn't really gotten around to using it yet. Um, right. I was in the very beginning. Because
2: a- I want to point out for people who don't know, uh, Solar Winds actually has three different help desk tools. There's MSP Manager, which they are roadmapping to be somewhat like a PSA. They don't claim it's a PSA right now, uh, but that's what they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. service desk is a saas based help desk ticketing only it integrates with the rmm and then there's a third that's an actual on-prem solution which nobody ever uses it's geared towards internal it and that sort of stuff i don't even remember what it's called but it's not really a player but people should be aware of it okay
3: yeah i i switched away before i really got plugged into the rest of that ecosystem.
0: Now, yeah, MSP I Manager, I feel like there was um, there was Vorex and another one that looked very much like Vorex. And Vorex is the one that turned into Kaseya BS, BMA, BSA. BMS, um, Yeah, BM, Yeah, that's it. Um, and then the other one was bought out by SolarWinds. Correct. What on earth was that other one called? Because it's been bothering me for weeks.
2: Oh, you know, I used to know, because, like, all of their training documentation kind of referenced it. Like, the the, the YouTube videos and stuff, like, were all the guys that used to work for that company. And, like, they would occasionally mention it, but I honestly don't remember either.
0: Okay. Um, Do you feel like your PSA is... Vorex, Caseya, BMS, Pulseway all seem to be the same... Pro- oh, Capture, that's what it was. Um, all seem to be the same product. I don't know. I don't know Pulseway. about all that. Hmm. Um, Pulseway, I haven't actually looked at Pulseway's PSA because um, I just kind of got aggravated with Pulseway at their inability to do any type of monthly pricing when i was looking at them they wanted i i don't think that their that their per device price was bad it just was unfortunate that it was annual um no he's right
1: he's right if you look at the screenshots it is it is the same product i'd never noticed that It's a rebranded Kaseya BMS.
0: Now I have to look just to. (laughs) Because that doesn't seem right. Oh, my gosh, you're right. (laughs) Crazy. Oh, my gosh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, that's fun. Um, so, so, let's so what see, you're uh, saying
2: is you get, you say a BMS without all the integration,
0: <laughs> probably. So, um, so, so let's, let's, let's finish up the PSA portion of our stack by saying what one thing do you absolutely love about your PSA Matt.
4: So we had a weird weird situation. So I started the business about two years ago. So we're fairly new. Um, I started out with the ConnectWise automate and manage stack. And then I figured it was just me. So I was like, yeah, ConnectWise is a little too big for me. It kept lab tech. I mean, you have to have that. But um, so with ConnectWise, we got rid of it. We went to a couple of free CRMs. It turned out to be an absolute nightmare. So we just got it back, I'd say two, three weeks ago, finally. Um, I'm just integrating desk director. I know you hate it or somebody hates it. I forget who it was, but uh, so integrating that. Yeah, so integrating that now. Um, no, just, just that it integrates with, you know, cause we use IT glue and a lot of other stuff and, you know, uh, ReplBit and a lot of other things that it just send tickets to, it's great. And plus the dynamic forms with uh, desk director is awesome.
0: Now, I just want to clarify. Um, I didn't like desk director because it has the technician side of the software as well. And uh, it didn't seem to work very well for me with the audit task integration. Now this was also sometime uh, at the beginning of 2017 or maybe even the end of 2016 when I tried it out. So it's been a while, they might've fixed it since, but I was, I was having to reach out to support every single day to get them to like Close out tickets on the back end that have already been closed and completed in autotask.
4: It's still a little sketchy. Um, I just got the Windows um, native app and it comes with like un- it's unpublished. So uh Windows picks it up as like, uh, do you really want to install this? This is on um, mm-hmm. you know, no cert on this, so uh, there's well, definitely a, yeah, it's it's awesome. So definitely some some ways to go on it.
0: Uh, Ernest, what one thing do you love about Kaseya BMS?
1: Workflow rules. Uh, Workflow flow rules allow you to set up uh, triggers for just about anything that a ticket can do, any changes that can be made to a ticket, and allows you to set up um, automations in terms of emails that go out or changing statuses or assigning it to somebody or SLAs or anything else you could imagine on a ticket uh, allows you to update uh, that information on the ticket. So the workflows are very powerful.
0: Excellent. Uh, David, what's your favorite thing about ConnectWise?
3: I'd say my favorite thing is probably also my least favorite thing about ConnectWise, which is that it does everything for your business. It's great because you can do everything for your business in it. you, You handle projects and ticketing and billing and invoicing and payments and the customer portal. It does everything, but also if you want to do everything with it, you got to do everything with it. You really have to invest a whole lot into it to make it really sing for
1: you.
0: That is very true. Uh, Zach, what's your favorite thing about SolarWinds MSP manager?
2: Uh, Right now, I mean, just like out of the box, it doesn't take a lot to just hit the ground running. And I'm you know i'm saying that from like a potential perspective of like somebody just starting out right <clears throat> i mean it doesn't do a whole lot but that's uh, uh you know of the more advanced things that you guys are talking about the workflow rules and things like that but those are actually kind of the things i'm working on with solar winds to get it doing that better um and that's one of the big reasons i'm in it is they they asked me to, they asked me to do this. And I stepped away from Connectwise actually to do this. And uh, it puts, it puts me in an odd position. Cause I'm, I'm using something that's probably not the best tool for me, but like I'm working towards making it better. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, like it, it is great being you know directly tied in with the devs and the product managers because like when um i was in the six month beta for their rmm integration to msp manager because uh, this thing's been tied in with N Central for a couple of years now uh but like in that six months i wrote lots of like i want this i want that and by the end of the beta i had it all So it has ticket queues now. It has basic workflow routing for ticket routing. It has um, skill level routing. Like I can route tickets to uh, techs based on their specialties, like who's good at what, which is pretty cool. Um, And, you know, that's right now is one of the great things that I like about it is like I've got various issue types going into different bins that I watch that um, let me kind of probably like, okay, these are the important things, these are the things I can deal with later, and it kind of lets lets me sort those into cues automatically.
0: Excellent. Now, uh, we have two questions. Uh, what is desk director? Matt, you want to take that?
4: Yeah, so Desk Director, uh, it's a third party tool that's built uh, on top of ConnectWise. So if you ever use ConnectWise ticketing or client portal, it's absolutely atrocious. And you know, for us, uh, and well, for me personally, I really like branding. I, I hate like the generic emails that look absolutely ugly. So it, it takes that on the client side um, and just pretties it up. Um, so you can do two ways, uh, they have a web portal or you pay extra for like a Windows installation. Uh, so users can just open up an icon in your system tray or on their desktop and then they can open a ticket right there and they get notifications when you update it. So it makes, it makes the process for them um, prettier and easier. Um, you can also use like dynamic forms. So if, you know, if they say like, Oh, my internet's down, for example, you can say, okay, so your internet's down. have you checked to X, Y, Z, what exactly is down? Cause a lot of times, you know, you get calls that, Oh, my internet's down and it, it turns out that they can't open Chrome for some reason. Um, so it does a lot of those dynamic forms It can kind of weed out a lot of problem problems and give you the exact details so you can you know, answer them immediately without having to go back and forth. Um, it's just extra uh, right now. We're kind of, I'm still trying to test it out and see if it's actually worth the uh, $100 plus $50 for the windows installer per month. Um, you know, we'll see.
0: So I, um, I, I would like to say that desk director is cool. Um, however, I've looked at a different solution called, uh, <laughs> really, in a, I mean, I've looked at a, a separate one called EnviroSoft. I did put the link in the chat.
4: You see the price um, on that too?
0: Yeah. EnviroSoft is 250 for for, well, actually 350 if you want all the features. But how much is Desk Director if you want the same features? 350
4: Oh, I thought, it was, I thought it was a little more.
0: Well, it also depends on how many endpoints you're pushing it out to. Um, but for 500 endpoints, or 500 users, I should say, it's uh, it's $350. And with, with Envirosoft, it's cool because it has um, the ability for them to check out their tickets, make new tickets, respond, do all that stuff. It has a little news section, so you can give them um, updates on whatever you want to update them on, uh, which is nice to be able to update all the end users and not just your primary point of contact. And then below that, it has uh, the apps panel, which I think is, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, I'm laughing at David. Um, so it also has the apps panel, which is, uh, uh, how do I put this? You can put links to applications urls or even um uh command prompt commands so you could have something that or or remote desktop so you could have something that opens up their terminal server connection something that opens up their office 365 email on the web something that opens up word locally and something that they can click because for whatever reason this guy just somehow screws up his computer and always makes it so that way his s drive disappears so you made a little button that he can click in his app panel that remaps his s drive for him
2: can i run batch commands or powershell scripts from those little buttons sure Nice. That's actually pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic, and and because it's it's not only an application on the desktop, but it is an app they can use from their uh, iPhone, Android, whatever. Um, at this time, I don't think you can do quotes or invoices, but they are working on it. They also want to eventually be able to go toe to toe with uh, Connect Booster. Just so you guys know that as well. They want to be able to have the ability to pay your invoices through EnvorrowSoft. Hope that helps. Um, what is your guys' opinion on open source PSA solutions?
4: Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I contact support too much to uh, have open source.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you.
3: For me, I I think that the tool is almost irrelevant. What's really important is the ecosystem around it. And you just don't have a lot of that with the smaller open source uh,
2: PSAs and CRMs. Right. And I want to add to that, basically, like open source becomes useful and powerful if you have the skill set to make it do what you want. That is like a, a software engineer or um using it as a framework to build some internal app um you know and that comes into play at at certain levels right (laughs) but like one of the many things people don't understand about open source is like you have to be able to support it yourself and that requires a high level of skill and that skill is expensive so open source solutions wind up having a tco that's actually much higher than than, um, you know, regular commercial products. And that's not just always. like the hard... I mean, not always, but... Lo-
0: look at PFSense. I mean, theoretically... I mean, not all open source is created equally. Like, if you look right, at yeah. tools like PFSense, that's actually a solid firewall.
2: Yeah, oh, just, I would agree. Just
0: firewall, not a UTM, but... <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: right, well I, well, I mean, it integrates with Snort. And, like, if you if you want to run snort and then get um, a paid uh, signature subscription to tie into it, I mean, that's very viable. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of ways you can kind of skin that cat and PF sense is a great example because there's so much inexpensive hardware that you can slap it on out there and get it out there. I mean, one of their big weaknesses is uh, centrally managing a bunch of pfSense boxes, mm. but if you want to go and pay for that capability, you actually can. And then all of a sudden you're right back into a commercial product. So like, it's, you know, it's a matter of perspective and scale and like, you know, you really, really need to evaluate if it's a good fit. I mean, if you've got like a hot shot, like, Software developer who can just like take that code base and make it whatever you want, and he's inexpensive, or you know, you're you know, he's a business partner or whatever, and he's invested in the company. I mean, like, it becomes viable. I mean, we use several open source solutions to various things that are pretty high level, and the the lack of upfront licensing costs, and the fact that we have the skill set on staff to make them do what we want, and we can support them like has really added to our flexibility. Like as an example, we use um, NGINX reverse proxies to brand other portals. So Mm -hmm. like if we have a vendor portal that we want to present to our customers, we can connect it to an NGINX proxy and a reverse proxy. And then like we can actually swap logos, swap text in the portals dynamically as they're being presented to the customers. So if we, you know, cause we like to, you know, we don't like to reveal our vendors to our clients. Like we want them to feel that like, you know, our name is tied to all of the products they're using. And so we actually, that's one of the things we do now, obviously we get permission to do that sort of thing, you know, from the vendors, but right. uh, you know, those that don't have branding options, like we can actually brand other portals and, you know, using, things like a reverse proxy and like SSL forwarding, like we can do a lot of really crazy things. And there's not really a commercial product out there that does that sort of thing. Um, Like, you know, without spending a lot of money. And I'm thinking of things like net scalers and, you know, other large commercial products that are, you know, designed for mass scale. And so that's kind of like where I stand on it. Uh,
0: Speaking of, Sense and central management. Um, Dom said that uh, they were supposed to have a PF center management tool, but he's not sure if that's out. And I, I don't really see anything other than forum topics. So I don't think it's out either. Huh. Um, Zach, what are you missing the most in MSP manager and is it in the pipeline?
2: Um, right now, uh, the, the biggest, like, hot button issue I have is the QuickBooks Online integration um, is actually implemented in our, in our estimation, like, very poorly. Um, and so, like, I raised holy hell about that because it caught, like, my, 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 my accounting department just, like, nearly rioted. <laughs> oh,
0: well, that's bad. <laughs>
2: Right. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know the way they integrate with QuickBooks online is you go into QuickBooks online and you create broad services and products. So, um, you create service plans and, um, billable rates and things like that. And then it uses like, like four or five specific, um, broad category product, like broadly defined, um, products in, QuickBooks and then just inserts line items under the, as like in the descriptions and then prices, um, which like, if you're, if you have any sort of like advanced accounting going on, like that's just unacceptable. Uh Like my, according to my accountant, like that just drastically screwed up. Like our accounts receivables reporting it, um, completely messed up like how they're tracking profitability. And it was just like, this is not going to work. So um, one of the things we're working on um, with the devs is like, I'm trying to work with them to get one-to-one mapping in QuickBooks online with service items. So you can create like service item A maps to a specific service item A product or service in QuickBooks. And so then you map them all at once. Uh, Rather than to like you know these simplified broad categories. Now, the 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 ideology behind the way they did that was so if you're just like starting out and you don't want to spend a lot of time getting set up and you need to get out there and make money, like that'll work. And so I, I acknowledge that that was you know a clever idea to get somebody running on the ground, but once a business has matured. Like that's Mm -hmm. unacceptable. So like you need to make, you need to make it an option to do a more advanced integration. And they totally agreed. And they, they, they're roadmapping like that changes to that right now. I'm not sure when in the cycle it's going to come out, but, but they, they agreed with my assessment.
0: I'm sure it'll be sooner than the next auto task update. Um, with that said, let's move on to RMM tools. Um, So so Dom said, how does Pulseway compare to Terra?" I'm looking at the RMM options on the cheaper end. So I just wanna say, um, there's so many things that we could say to that. Uh, There are probably some mean things that we could say to that. Um, I put in the chat a link to the RMM comparison spreadsheet that I, I started, gosh, how long ago did I start that, guys? A year ago, more? I don't know, whatever. Um, It has uh, taken like a mind of its own because uh, everyone is able to contribute to it as long as you request permission to edit the thing. But you'll be able to see a a true comparison between all of the different RMM tools, including um, Atera, Pulseway, and even the free one, Komodo, which... Okay, so... uh, <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what what RMM tool are you using?
4: Uh lab tech Okay. Automate, whatever.
0: And Ernest, we know you're on Kaseya.
1: You love it. That's all right. Um it, it does what it needs to do.
0: Do you do you miss Continuum? I do. Oh man. Uh David,
3: uh I use LabTech as
2: well.
0: And Zach you are GFL solar winds
1: yeah
2: solar dog wins now. Solar, <laughs> solar,
0: solar dog max wins. Um, I am I am on Autotask endpoint manager. Um, I gotta say I've I've actually been starting to have some struggles with Autotask endpoint manager so you guys uh, for those of you that are in the discord, group, you probably have seen me say something along the lines of, I think I'm going to be switching to Kaseya soon. So I just want to say full disclosure, uh, I, I think I still have eight months left or so on my contract. So I'm still eight months out from being able to make any changes without costing myself a ton of money. However, when make you you sign a
3: five-year plan?
0: Uh, 22 years.
3: Twenty-two years. Okay, good.
0: No, it's it's it was a it was a two-year, um, uh, so twenty-four-month agreement with Autotask. The the big problems that I'm having right now with with Autotask Endpoint Manager all revolve around automation, and um, even more specifically, they revolve around the um, uh, user-defined fields and variables. So I've got. I've got variables like we're just gonna we're just gonna pick one thing right now, uh, Cisco Umbrella. So I've got the ability to to deploy Cisco Umbrella using the um, using a script, and I'm sure for those of you that know Cisco Umbrella, it's got those three codes that you need: your ID, the customer ID, and whatever that other ID is. So. The script, you got to punch all three of those IDs in. So what I did was I made three variables for each customer with those three IDs. And then a script that references those, those three variables. If I run that, that script manually on a computer or a group of computers, it runs just fine. If I automate that script to run every week on Tuesday, it doesn't run just fine. And in fact, it installs umbrella without any of the variables. So it just installs a big red dot into the system tray that literally doesn't do anything because it is not synchronized or integrated or whatever the term is with umbrella. So it's just stupid little things like that that are making me think like, all right, if if I'm gonna get an RMM tool because I wanna make my life easier, maybe I should get one that works. And for those of you that are, that are thinking I want to go to Pulseway or Atera, I'm not saying they're bad. They're great to start out with, but once you start saying, you know, I want to start scripting things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start using variables and all this other stuff that you might not even know how to do, you're going to figure it out eventually and you might get frustrated using um, using the one that you choose if you go with one that's more affordable. Um Brandon, I'll have to have you show me because the, the way I did it, it did not work. So, but it's also because I try to do it completely automated without me having to, I'll, I'll show you later. Don't they give you um,
4: scripts? I remember when I signed up for, for uh, Umbrella, they gave me a lab tech, lab tech script that you just kind of put in and installs all its stuff and you're good to go.
0: Yes. So they, they do give you scripts, but you got to remember each each customer in Umbrella has its own unique IDs.
4: Oh, okay, yeah. So because so, in LabTech they put something under the client location, so under the client location with right. right. those three IDs, and then it references that automatically depending and, on. What and client. And
0: LabTech it actually works. LabTech it actually. Works. <laughs> <laughs> um, very nice. And, and what I think I was doing, Brandon, was I think I made, I don't know if the right terms anymore, it was like the custom search. And I think I just told it to search and, and run it on the installer, run the installer based on what computers are in that search. I don't remember. Um, what thing do you hate the most about LabTech, Matt Go.
4: Uh, user at the interface. And even though I still use the 10.5, you know, you hold shift and you double click somebody and it brings up the old interface. I still use that because I think the new 11 interface is absolutely atrocious with the tiles.
0: David, what do you hate the most about lab tech?
4: Um, I'd say... I'd say the, the
3: interface. It's uh, they're, they're moving in an interesting direction. They just haven't fleshed it all out, all out yet. So when they get ready, it's going to be five steps ahead and maybe only one or two steps back. But they haven't taken the, the steps ahead yet, so we've only taken steps back.
0: Uh, Ernest, Kaseya, I know you're new to it. So what's your biggest frustration right now with, with moving from Continuum to Kaseya? Uh, the... They still have some components that depend on Flash,
1: which doesn't work in Chrome. Uh, <laughs> so that's probably the biggest issue that I've got right now, especially on the scripting side. Uh, otherwise, everything else on it is functional. Uh, they, they could really do with kind of a UI redesign and, and relay out, which I think is coming down the road here pretty quick. But uh, it is a very, very, very powerful system. It's not a solution I would recommend to a startup MSP or to an MSP that... Uh, even a mature MSP that doesn't have the on-site staff and resources to be able to really dedicate a lot of time to it. Uh, it is a very, very powerful platform though. Uh, think of it as the, the SharePoint, if you will, um, of, of PA, of RMM tools. Uh, it's a platform that you can build your own stack and build your, your automation and solutions
0: on top of. I never thought about it like that. Hmm. Zach. GFI SolarWinds dog what what's your what's your biggest frustration what do you hate the most about their RMM tool
2: um up until recently like you couldn't filter anything like my entire process centered around like looking for red and then drilling Mm -hmm. in and finding it it's like you can't get specific notifications of like outages i mean they've they've applied they've created like a filtering system now where you can create custom views that show you only workstations that uh you know had backups fail uh, or only workstations that need patches deployed or only workstations that need a reboot and you know you can go and create these custom views and and then apply them and you know you can view their stuff um as far as the rmm uh i hate that it can't monitor or manage network devices easily in like yes you can set up snmp on server agents to like pull for certain things and then alert off of that but it's really hard to set up and that is actually changing in the future there there there's some things coming that will be kind of neat i can't say much more than that
0: it's because if he told us he'd have to kill us i think Mm. No, <laughs> it's, it's just not,
2: it's, it's just not going to be for a while and it hasn't officially been announced.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> um, what about protection and, and this could be antivirus, anti-malware, advanced detection, you know, what, what, what stuff are you installing on your client? endpoints and servers to keep them prevent preventing crap happening? Matt.
4: Uh, we use WebRoot uh, Malwarebytes and Malwarebytes comes with their regular bytes, anti-exploit and anti-ransomware that uh, through lab tech you really can't control. Yeah, I have anti-ransomware installed and I don't even know really know what it does, but I got it um as, it far prevents as that,
0: ransomware duh
4: supposedly i have no logs no nothing it's just kind of there um and then also we use uh cisco meraki firewalls with advanced security license for the utm
0: so i use uh cisco umbrella meraki firewalls um and i use webroot and i really like webroot a lot um earnest even I'm though weber sure. tries
4: to kill you <laughs> weber, what is it twice a year they try to get rid of all their clients yeah <laughs>
1: something like that uh so endpoint protection of course starts on the edge it, it starts on what you're using at uh as you mentioned the firewall side so um omni net is our firewall of choice Sophos is our our secondary if more advanced configuration or functionality is needed on the workstations themselves it's um Webroot Malwarebytes, um, Huntress, and though it's not really necessarily considered a, a security application, we also put Policy Pack on there to manage group policies remotely, uh, which helps lock down a lot of security issues as well. David,
3: uh, I run mostly the same stack as Matt: uh, Webroot antivirus, Malwarebytes. Um, OpenDNS and uh, Sophos UTMs.
0: Zach?
2: So I'm running uh, Bitdefender through SolarWinds. Um, I'm doing patching, obviously, through SolarWinds as well because I feel that patching is a part of protection. Um, I'm also using the SolarWinds web protection agent, which is functionally similar to cisco umbrella um i'm also running intercept x as an anti-ransomware anti-exploit anti-persistence layer um we run some Sophos utms uh some like snort boxes with custom signatures you know for like uh spanning taps and stuff like that um I, i and that's about it usually on the UTM side, um, I'm working on more than that. Um, We're just rolling out uh, SolarWinds risk intelligence to kind of like monitor the actual risk and vulnerabilities of all the workstations to find gaps, which has like helped a lot because uh, they actually do a really nice like PCI based evaluation of configuration and vulnerabilities. Um, as well as an external port scan uh, for each workstation and the edge, which is kind of nice. Um, I am also building a managed SOC service uh, with incident response type services as well. Which there's still a lot of detail to be figured out there, but it's you're something. You're gonna I'm give that to on.
0: everyone here for free, right? No no (laughs) just us (laughs) just the panelists yeah just the panelists all right all right um so who who here's using sophos again is it just zach okay so um hardware firewalls uh xg or sg
3: xg xg
0: xg And do you have them integrated into your RMM tools as well?
2: Uh, Not yet for me. Uh, I'm working on that.
0: Yeah, it it creates
1: tickets. It pops emails in there and creates tickets, but not like a direct integration now.
0: Okay. Um, WebRoot. I'm a WebRoot guy, Matt, I think David. I thought WebRoot did malware. So why, why are you guys running malware bytes on top of it?
3: Extra layers. Security is like an onion or like a Don't parfait. give me this onion
0: nonsense. <laughs> Depends in depth.
3: <laughs> I mean, all, all these products look for more or less the same things. I mean, you've got AV on the UTM layer. You've got some amount of AV on the OpenDNS layer. Like, They all do the same end goal. They're all just differently effective at catching stuff. So by layering them, you, you hope that the holes in one don't line up with the holes in the other.
0: Um, how often do you guys run penetration tests? Don't all speak
3: up at
1: once. Uh, you that's guys, not a service I offer currently. Yeah, it's something we're looking into, but haven't found a good solution for that yet.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, when you say penetration test, that, that can mean a lot of things. And some of them very, very, very expensive. Some of them utterly pointless. So, like, that's a really hard question to answer.
0: I like that. I
2: like that a lot, actually. Um... I mean, you could almost do an, a, a panel just on that. <laughs>
0: yeah uh okay so i know there are only a few of us here as panelists um feel free to say something in chat if you are using carver or silence as your av security whatever it is um because someone just asked if if anyone is i'm not any of you guys using carver or silence I didn't think so. Uh, Creecor uses Carver on the higher end of package. Um, How do you like it, Creecor? I've heard mixed reviews on it. I actually have someone that just told me they uh, canceled their contract um, because they have WebRoot and Carver Sentinel one on the same computer and WebRoot detected the issue and remediated it, and Carver just didn't know it happened. Um, so that I just thought was interesting feedback. Uh, Dom said DNS filtering.
3: Open DNS all day.
0: Yeah, Cisco umbrella for just about everyone. Uh, Zach uses the one that's built into SolarWinds MSP. Ernest, do you do DNS filtering?
1: Yeah, that's all done through uh, OmniNet. Okay. AppRiver Web Protection.
2: Which I believe is BitTitan or NetTitan or something like that that AppRiver is using. I don't remember.
0: Uh, Tyler asked about web root DNS filtering. I believe that's actually what uh, SolarWinds uses, or at least it's what they did use. They did at one
2: point, but they've actually developed something in-house now that is a a little fancy um, because it's not just looking at DNS. It's actually examining every packet as it goes out the NIC.
0: Now, um, has anyone checked out the new WebRoot DNS filtering? Like, I guess it's brand spanking new. No. Okay. Um, Tyler's attending a webinar in an hour. You'll have to uh, report back, let us know how that goes. Um, Someone's possibly switching from WebRoot to Sophos do any of you guys have any experience or advice?
1: The only thing I'll say on Sophos, um, it's a it's a decent product. Uh, I wouldn't say it's phenomenal, but it's a decent product.
0: I feel about coming.
1: The challenge I have with Sophos, and, and I love Sophos, I love their products. Uh, if you're using the UTM functionality to also do antivirus scans, you're doing the same scanning at the edge and on the endpoint. You're scanning the same file the same way using the same definitions, uh, which isn't going to catch something. If it slips through one, it's going to slip through both. Hmm. So that would be my only... My only concern or consideration there Uh, intercept x is a phenomenal product the only reason that we haven't deployed it is just due to its heavy resource usage it it tends to slow down a workstation from our testing and that may have changed i mean that was that was six to eight months ago Uh, but intercept x is a is a phenomenal product and and does a really good job
2: Mm, i will definitely agree i mean like what makes Sophos. As an entire stack, the UTM plus the endpoint plus intercept X plus sandstorm plus da 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 da, da um, is the fact that intercept X is there. I mean, that was the key component that made it really useful. And the thing that would push Sophos in my mind up a little bit with intercept X is the fact that what intercept X is finding. Um, can be synchronized with the UTM and with the endpoints. And so they become aware of what intercept X is discovering and mitigating. And, you know, the, the, one of the great ones that I saw was when a machine is compromised and intersect X is like declares, you know, quarantine, the machine gets locked down automatically. Um, it's disconnected from the network um, it's, um, you know, isolated from everything. It just locks the locks the box box down to prevent spread. And this is, this is awesome for situations like, um, uh, want to cry or, you know, um, uh, crypto locker where like anything that grop- gets onto a machine and then starts groping for network shares to encrypt or whatever, like it locks that down
0: instantly just feel like you should never use the word groping in a webinar can I, <laughs> can I just say that <laughs> um <clears throat> all right um what about network monitoring um I feel like with with how complex things are getting these days you know, just having your RMM tool isn't enough. Is anyone here using like a Centersys or OVIC? Centersys? Yeah.
2: Yeah. We're, we're exploring OVIC.
0: Okay.
1: Man, uh, I used OVIC for a little while too. And Auvik, uh, it just out of the box, had too many challenges. I had to reach out to support on every single device we were trying to monitor. And they were like, oh yeah, we know that was working last week and then we broke it and then two weeks later, oh, it's working again. Uh, It's just too much hassle. Interface is beautiful. Functionality, once things do work, is phenomenal. Um, But we found similar functionality with CenterSys and being able to directly reach out to the developers uh, and and have them work on some stuff for us has been fantastic.
2: Right, yeah, like I feel like Avic suffers from what I call lab tech-itis. Like, it's awesome, but you got to make it awesome.
0: Nice. Matt, are you using anything like that? Uh, PRTG. Okay. So, now is PRTG one of those open source ones?
4: No, no, no. It's a company out in Germany. Uh, owns it it's one of those we were just talking about discord it's one of those things where it's uh, you get 100 sensors for free but then it's pretty steep 500 sensors like 1600 but it's a perpetual forever license um oh, okay. it's it's one of those pure straight up snmp out of the box it works you can set up your monitors you know i mean the user interface is they have an iphone app so you can check out you know bandwidth on client x's firewall at any time uh, you know, has a desktop, uh, web interface. I mean, for me, it's one of those set it and forget it type deals. I mean, the thing it's great. And I mean, I know the, and somebody was saying that it's a very steep, uh, price to go from 100 sensors for free to $1,600 for 500. But I've, I've used PRTG in enterprise, uh, deployments where we've had, I think we're around five, 10,000 sensors. And I mean, the thing still worked absolutely perfectly.
1: PRTG is a phenomenal product um, and and we use that for uh, an ISP that we were doing some work for uh, it is it's a really neat product, it does a very good job as well, uh, it just requires a lot of manual massaging and, and forethought and planning as to how you want to set up uh, the alerts and the monitoring on it.
0: I do like a good massage.
2: <clears throat> right and kind of a, this is a great like call back to the open source like in all the large. Big mega enterprises that I've worked in, they use Nagios, which is open source, and they actually had, you know, a couple of devs that like that's what they did is they lived and breathed Nagios, and they can make it do anything we wanted.
4: Yeah, that's another one of those things too, though, because you have that and then I Open uh, OpenNMS too. But it's one of those you, you need a dedicated resource to manage it. If you're smaller, and you can't dedicate a resource to it. It's one of those things where it gets too complicated too fast, you don't have time to do it the right way. So
2: Right, exactly.
4: It really depends and on how big you are. And your when goals. you're
2: when you're monitoring 500 sites and 250,000 various endpoints, like it's easy to justify a couple of FTEs to take care of that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, some other people in the chat mentioned Zabbix. Uh, have, have any of you guys used it or have any thoughts on it?
2: I've seen it used to very great effect. Um, but it's, it's much like Nagios, the people who were using it, like had uh, had people dedicated to maintaining it and making it f- awesome.
0: Excellent. And logic monitor. Someone's big fan of that, but it can get fairly pricey. Anyone ever use any logic monitor?
2: And Zabbix Zabbix is way easier to use than Nagios. Like, I will admit that fully and completely.
0: SolarWinds NPM. Anyone use SolarWinds NPM or hear, heard of it?
2: I'm very familiar with it. Um, as, as many of you might have remembered from back in the day, SolarWinds was all about network management. That is, That was their space. We all remember NetFlow and uh, stuff like that. Um, and SolarWinds NPM is is one of their large enterprise network performance monitoring solutions. Uh, I think a base license is, a, is like several thousand dollars.
0: Okay, so um, just looking through these questions, uh, Ed asked, which flavor of malware bytes are you using? I would, manage, I would I would imagine none of you guys are using the home version. Business versions are endpoint protection, incident response, and endpoint security. I also thought there was an MSP version offered that was a different version than the above. I could be uh, wrong or outdated on that.
4: No, he's right. Yeah, there's an MSP version.
3: Uh, Right now, uh, Malwarebytes has version, I think, 1.8. They're calling it of their business software available for MSPs, and that's what I buy through LabTech. Uh, But they have released version 3 of their business platform. It's just not available on the MSP licensing yet.
0: So and wait, version 3
3: is what integrates uh, their, their if you remember, their home version is now anti-malware and antivirus. Uh, Malwarebytes mm-hmm. Endpoint Security is the business version of that, that integrates the antivirus in the product as well.
0: So you're on 1.8, mm-hmm. and they've released 3.0.
3: Yeah, they they skipped a number.
0: Oh, so it's like Windows 9. Sure. Okay. That's cool. Uh, SonicWall, anyone here using SonicWall or have used SonicWall? I've used them, not anymore. Um, do you have any experience with GMS?
2: It sucks. Like I had a SonicWall, like my old SonicWall rep was like, yeah, don't use GMS, but build your own monitoring solution. Like literally that's what I was told.
0: Okay then, tell us how you really feel. Um, Yes, that is why everyone is pairing their malware bytes with a standalone AV, Ed, because there is not AV within the malware bytes and because security is like an apple. Wait, that's not right. Security is like an onion. So are ogres. (laughs) Um, UTM. uh, I think we've got OmniNet, the uh, what's that company called again? Ernest?
1: Which one, OmniNet? Yeah. They're called OmniNet? (laughs) <laughs> they their yeah,
2: yeah it they used to be re-branded. my digital shield yeah they rebranded they're OmniNet now oh
0: but if I go to OmniNet.com it takes me to a real estate and venture capital website
2: OmniNet.io
0: yeah because that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> that's like having a, a website with dot solutions or something like nobody's going to remember yeah. that
3: Shots fired.
0: Um, No, that's cool. Okay, OmniNet.io. So, did anything change uh, with the name change? Uh, Nothing really changed with the name change. Uh, They have added a lot
1: of functionality and features, though. Um, You now have VLAN tagging, which is new. Uh, They're continuing to improve the product on a very rapid basis.
0: All right, and then I know we've got some Meraki guys in here. Awesome. And then uh, any any other UTMs in here? Sophos from one of the people.
3: I use Sophos over a couple of clients.
0: Okay. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts on Untangle?
4: Uh, I ripped it out of a client's office once. That's about it. <laughs> Same here. Like I've never been <laughs> impressed.
0: Um, and I, th- I think uh, when Errol said "good," he was asking if the Sophos is good. It's
3: all right. I, I, I haven't spent as much time with it as I as I should have. I use it for uh, only two clients right now. Um, I, I want to get more
0: in depth with it. Okay, and. Um, has anyone switched from Meraki?
4: I'm so close, dude. <laughs> <laughs> has anybody, so before before that, has anybody used uh, the Meraki's new, uh, was it Threat Grid? They make you pay extra money for whatever that service is. They came out with it about a month ago.
0: No. I never heard
4: it. I need a demo of it. Yeah, but I've been, I've been so disenfranchised with I tried the Meraki phones. That was uh, the worst thing ever. Uh, I'm sorry. The Wi Fi devices are, t- I mean, why, why not just buy a, a Unify AP for 120 bucks and call it a day at most offices? And the switches are just like, I mean, justify that to a business that's like 20, 30 people. Good luck. Um,
0: that's why you sell them Unify.
4: That's. I'm, I'm moving, yeah, I'm using Unify switches and APs now. That's a whole different discussion, though.
0: So, so unify
2: matt threat grid is sandboxing by the way just uh just explaining that to you
0: what are are you guys using unify for your networking equipment
4: i I am. am i am i am now
0: okay um dom uses the ap switches and cameras but he hasn't tried the routers Has has anybody used a unify router and just absolutely loved the experience is that
2: I like the edge it a lot. Too, which is a oh. the yeah you know the usg i'm right, i'm right, using yes. them in a few places just like to try them out i mean the lack of any sort of utm is disconcerting um but, I mean, like, it's not hard to throw in a Snort appliance and tie in a, you know, a Threat Intelligence subscription. Um, but
0: I don't <sighs> think the hardware can
2: support it is the problem. Right. Yeah.
0: And what about WatchGuard?
3: I'd tear those out.
0: But yeah, what? same here. They're so great. And red.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Unify uh, USG. I use it for a lot of my smaller clients. Uh, I'm not admittedly 100% bought into that UTM life. Because for smaller clients, if they don't have servers on site, if they don't have much going on, they only have endpoints. I keep the endpoints protected. Um, and yeah, I'm losing out on a layer, but they also You know, you don't need intrusion detection if there's nothing to intrude into. They don't have an email server on site. They don't have a web server on site. So I'm not really feeling the burn from not having a full UTM at a small five-person office. And so for that, I use the the Unify USG, and I just love
0: them. Watch guards are the SBS of firewalls. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That is such an apt analogy. That is that is amazing um has how how about uh so so we're still on the networking what about datto for their wi-fi and switches and that really awesome router they have
2: i'm eyeing the datto dna appliance uh just for the lte um i'm not i'm not totally sold on it but it's interesting
0: yeah um ian said to the unify usg response what do you use for the central management if anything do you have issues with them dropping offline for central management if you ever do use that portion you just use a, a controller, right? Yeah, I, I
3: just have the, the unify controller in a like a five dollar VPS online. Uh have a, a dozen sites on it, and zero problems.
0: Perfect. Um, cost effective networking. Just left fifteen data DNAs for Sophos. Huh. Um unify routers are improving. It'd be nice if Ubiquity would expose everything prior to release. But as long as you aren't expecting finished products at release, they're not too disappointing.
3: <laughs> yeah, unify is a kind of a Ouch. perpetual beta.
0: That's so true. Scaling. <laughs> All right, now now sticking with Datto uh in the sense that let's talk about backups. So backups we're gonna we're gonna have to talk like two different routes okay so first i feel like we should talk i don't even know how we could how how we should split this should we split this servers versus workstations file folder versus image companies that don't have servers versus companies that do i mean how how do you guys determine how you back things up server versus workstation mm-hmm.
2: i i use solar winds msp backup like everything gets a, an image
0: okay um david what are you doing for your
3: Backups. Uh, I use uh, Veeam to backup servers, and, and companies that have servers, I put a BDR on site, uh, back to, back up to that, and then I use Cloud Connect to send that off-site somewhere else. Um, I try mm-hmm. not to add backup endpoints, because I, I like to think of the desktops as being disposable and replaceable. So
0: How do they it, feel about that?
3: Mostly okay because you know I, I load them up with a standard image, Office, uh, Windows, you know whatever they need, and then the RMM pushes out their their custom line of business stuff if needed. Uh, I, I like I like the idea of treating the computers as cattle and not pets, um, livestock. Amen, you know, the, brother. Mm -hmm. I like that Uh, because you know you 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 get this this one PC that has the the so lovingly taken care of AOL desktop uh, installation and the weirdo Windows 98 version of some old piece of software that's just going to cost you hours and hours of labor to try to fix later. Um, so you try to wean them off of that and onto a standardized image that you can, if something goes wrong, just roll it out very quickly. You have their files and folders backed up either on site, you know, with a folder uh, redirection or just just straight uh, file and folder back up. Um, and you, you get them back up and running quickly, leveraging your RMM and other tools.
2: And I have a similar attitude, like uh, workstations are cattle. I don't care about them but I still do an image because, you know, I don't know what can happen. We like, I've been bitten by all kinds of crazy things. Plus it only costs me seven bucks to do a full backup of a workstation. And by having it enabled on the workstations, it contributes to my total storage pool that I can reallocate towards, you know, servers and databases and other things that actually matter. So it's just built into my price and like, it's, just kind of a belt and suspenders thing. <laughs>
0: um, Precar asked what you're using to image desktops, Zach, but I believe the answer is SolarWinds backup, right?
2: Yeah, like I can build VHDs from that, VHDXs, uh, VMDKs, uh, I can boot an ISO and restore that as an image or a snapshot on time, or as an archive image Um, you know, so I turn on, like I do a, you know, a, a build for a client with a standard image, whatever. Uh, then I snapshot that, uh, per, you know, workstation type, you know, if there's varying types, I, I do an, what SolarWinds calls an archive point. And basically it's an image I can build if that's a fixed point in time. And I pop the ISO to restore in there and restore that. Point in time, and there's my base image.
3: Do you restore no. from local device, or are you restoring from cloud? Local device. Okay. We have
2: a NAS. We, like, the service includes a NAS on-site that is a replication target for SolarWinds. Mm-hmm. And it's a two way sync. So like if the NAS goes down, the backups just continue to push to the cloud. If the cloud is down, they push to the NAS and the NAS synchronizes when the internet comes back, uh, and vice versa. So it's, it's actually pretty great for what it is.
0: Now, what if it's a laptop, and it's not on site? Still pushes to the cloud. Okay, um, Matt, did we cover, you, you said you use a BDR or was that David?
4: Yeah, I use, yeah, we use repl a bit. Um, yeah. For us, like I don't, I don't touch workstations and I'm very clear with the clients up front. Like, you know, these workstations aren't being backed up. You, either you have an on-prem file server or you're using, you know, we use anchor or so have everything on anchor, have everything, you know, on your, on the file server. And, you know, if you lose your laptop, that that's on you. we never, Really found it useful to back anything up. Um, yeah, ReplBit we found is a good solution. So what we do is we kind of bake that in our all-you-can-eat. Uh, so we provide uh, the server. The, the great thing about those BDR servers, you can uh, the bit BDR servers, you can just build one off Amazon for like 700 bucks. Really, I mean, it depends on hardware and how many backup images they need, but um, we, we lease that to them. So we just own a whole bunch of those. Um, and then, you know, just Like I said, it's part of the all-you-can-eat backup. Uh, So we back up there locally a couple times a day or however often it's set to. Um, And then from there, uh, we have a server uh, in a data Center that we own. um, That's our cloud backup. Um, I kind of, I agree with, uh, I forget who said it on the MSP forum, but, uh, you know, who really owns your backup? Are you going to blame somebody out and, you know? Colorado, like, you know, they lost all your client's data. So it's really on you. So I kind of buy into that. I'm like, all right, well, I want to be in charge of my BDR, you know, uh, beginning to end. So we have our own uh, off-site vault that we manage.
0: Um, When you're doing Replibit, are you building like a custom white box or are you just buying like a Dell or an HP?
4: Uh, I'll usually buy um, a Lenovo TS-140s, TS I think. Uh, so I'll just buy a bare bones and then just outfit it from there. I mean, usually so, some of our smaller clients, I mean, they really just have like a DC and file server. So I just, you know, image level backup those two um, VMs and be good to go.
0: Uh, someone asked if anyone's using Altaro. I've used it in the past. Uh, it's really nice. Um, it's in my opinion, it's a prettier interface than Veeam and seems to be a little more easy to grasp. However, Veeam is probably still more powerful. I think that's a that's a fair comparison, right, David?
3: I use Veeam. I've never used Altaro, but I, I've been very happy with how, how good Veeam has been.
2: Yeah, Veeam is great. I use it for like my large customers that have like significant data centers.
0: Um, all right. So how often are you guys performing images daily, hourly?
2: Daily at a minimum.
0: Yeah, same. like With, with my data. I think I was doing it every 20 minutes.
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, I do every, I think every hour for my customers that, that have Veeam servers on site.
0: And for those of you that are, gu- that are using a NAS, are you doing open source or are you uh, buying a NAS product?
2: I'm buying NAS products.
0: I see someone mentioned QNAP.
4: (laughs) I feel like that's what all the cool kids use, right? I use sometimes (laughs) I mention I use Synology and everyone's like, why would you use that? QNAP. Sounds like the cool hits. I
2: think Synologies are better than QNAPs. That's just my experience.
0: Um here's here's an interesting one. Um Many of our end users go ahead and save on their desktop and documents anyway. They also get cranky if you disable local save as a policy. So we redirect the target of workstations, desktop, and documents folder right into OneDrive. This prevents data loss in the event of theft or crash. Now, Errol, is that is that to say that those clients don't have servers or a server? Because I would I would think that if that client has a server, you should just be doing a folder redirection using group policies. So that way it redirects their documents and desktop to the server, which I, uh, I have a document up in the bonus docs at mspwebinars.com showing you the proper way to set up folder redirections. Just going out there. Um, what would you guys do? For, well, I know Matt, you're using Anchor. So, would you redirect Desktop and Documents to be part of the Anchor folder? Yeah. Is that what you you can do? do? You can either
4: do that, or it just creates like a an Anchor folder on your desktop that automatically keeps a local copy if you want to, and then it just automatically links to the cloud. So it's just a folder on the user's desktop. I'm like everything you want save permanently save here.
0: Now, I, I can't remember. Is there a way to with Anchor? say I want to synchronize my desktop folder.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're selected sync. Yeah, well, you can do arbitrary folders as backups. And so you can have your one anchor folder that's kind of like your Dropbox folder, everything in there gets synced up, but then you can also choose arbitrary other folders. And I do this with a couple of clients, I use anchor as well. Uh, you can do, like, they're, they're my docs, they're desktop, and a few others. I just grab those as backups. And so Anchor is a file single share, and also using the same kind of technology, it also does uh, file and folder backup.
0: Um, so I figured out how to do the backup. I guess I was thinking, so I use Datto Drive as well, and I'm I'm kind of testing the two. And there's things I like about Datto Drive and things I like about Anchor. Uh, Anchor, Landsync, Datto Drive. Sync all the folders I want. So I've actually, so I've got my laptop and my desktop, and I've got desktop documents, downloads, music, movies, pictures, favorites. All of those are synchronized using Datto Drive between the desktop and laptop. Hmm. Um, but they don't do Landsync. sync. <laughs> That's hmm. the one. If they did Landsync, sync. I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, then with Anchor, it it doesn't. It doesn't appear that it does whatever folder i want it has to be part of that synced folder
3: correct yeah for the for the sync portion you you put it into uh the the anchor sync folder uh the only arbitrary folder choices are the backup folders which you can still see them in in the web ui but it's not uh it's it's not like the like the sync
0: folders got it but you can just tell my documents by right-clicking on it that the new path is synced folder slash documents or Steve. Sure. Whatever. So, okay. Um, Errol said, because some do not have servers, we just keep it the same across all of them. That's why, uh, that's why some that's why all of them go to office 365. Uh, Andrew, yes, that is a real plant. Can't you tell by some of its dead leaves? <laughs> um, holy questions. Uh, let's see here. Our solution is custom built on storage craft. ROI is excellent. Storage craft MSP is much more reasonable. Uh, prices are better now too. other folders that are outside of the main anchor folder to confirm. Break fix transition to MSP recently purchased by a WISP. That is a lot of change. Uh, Is there a standout monitoring and management solution that has a notable edge when it comes to SNMP?
2: BRTG, that's I mean, like, if you want a notable out-of-the-box edge with SNMP, PRTG.
4: I'm too much of a fanboy, dude. I'm going to say PRTG every single time, so.
2: I don't even use the product, and I'll admit that it has an edge in SNMP. Yeah, out-of-the-box, it's ridiculous.
0: Now, if we were just going to look at RMM tools, I feel like Ninja kind of has the advantage there. It might be the only advantage Ninja has is their is there network monitoring component.
2: That's probably true, true too, if you're taking into account managing workstations and servers. Yes.
0: Um, if time allows for those that deal with HIPAA, what tools, software, vendor, et cetera, are you using? Matt's like, I'm out. I don't do, I don't do this HIPAA crap. <laughs> uh, Zach, I bet you're going to be a great resource for HIPAA.
2: Um, Like we didn't go with like any particular software or vendor. I mean, like we just studied the regulations and learned and like developed our own processes. There's some good out of the box solutions I've heard of that are supposedly pretty great I don't use them I might when I start onboarding things like you know you know people like account managers and techs and stuff like that where like you know I need like regular training for you know multiple people I mean because like right now like I I have to be HIPAA compliant so like I go through all of the same steps and I you know go watch some youtube videos once a year to check the box and say i'm good (laughs) uh but um that's kind of where i'm at i mean like obviously i'm not the the only person doing this and um i know that there are some good solutions out there i just don't know what they're at what they are
0: that's fair Uh, David, are you a HIPAA guy?
3: I'm not, I, I don't want to take that on right now. I've got a lot more on my plate.
0: Uh, John Harry uses Compliance Group for HIPAA. And Andy said, LabTech has SNMP monitoring and you can have monitors on those things. You do need a device on site to act as the monitoring host. I use SNMP monitoring to tell when ShoreTel equipment is goofy or down. Tyler's yeah thinking. SolarWinds winds
1: has
2: a similar thing like you can create snmp checks from a server
0: and tyler is thinking about avoiding healthcare altogether if if you're thinking about avoiding it altogether does that mean you currently are helping someone in healthcare tyler just curious Yes, and getting away from them. Um, 2FA is standard, a lot of pissed-off providers. I recommend learning HIPAA compliance yourself if you want to sell to the healthcare. These people want to know that you know the process. Do they, though? Because I feel like they just don't care.
2: Oh, that's, that's an excellent point. Because that's the challenge with HIPAA. I mean, is you have... You have, you know, potential HIPAA clients that fall into two categories. Uh, Those that care and are willing to spend money on being okay. And those that just don't give a flying rat's ass at all and just want to do what they want to do.
3: And And, those that think that HIPAA doesn't apply to them.
2: Right. Like I get a, I get that attitude a lot in client meetings, like potential client meetings. Of uh, Well, nothing bad's ever happened before. I, I've never been audited, and nobody I know has ever been audited, so I don't think it's a big deal. And like, you can't change that attitude very easily.
0: Uh, you know, I actually have a great way to change that attitude. Um, it's when you go there and you find a bunch of HIPAA violations during the uh, during the process of when you um, uh, evaluate to sell. And they say, yeah, we're not going to change any of that. Just say, oh, no problem. I'm just going to go ahead and submit this to whatever place you're supposed to submit that stuff to.
2: I've thought about doing that. Like, I really have. But don't don't waste
0: time doing it. Just use it as the threat to get them to sign on the dotted line. That's, that's a
3: little bit too too, too mafioso there. Hey, it's, uh, you got a nice pile of HIPAA violations here. It'd be an awful pity mm-hmm. if someone to report them, huh?
4: <laughs> I totally
3: thought that too, dude. So <laughs> uh,
2: And and like, well, like in my heart of hearts, like I want to do that because, you know, screw these people. Uh, <laughs> but at the, the, the same time, is that really behind. how you want to start a trust-based relationship? I mean, really? <laughs> right.
0: So, so the cats out of the bag, guys. Somebody asked, "Where did Ernest go?" Uh, he had a client, memory. so he was like, "Screw you guys!" Go because
3: at, at that point, your your contract price is just basically your uh, protection money. And, yeah. you know, if you're if really you're, what's, you're what's threatening- the difference
2: between protection racket and MSP? I mean, like fundamentally, let's let's <laughs> let's acknowledge that. <laughs>
3: That's hey, it's an awful nice server you got there. It'd be a pity if a missed checkpoints, huh?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, does it's a real can... shame
2: of that uh, server crash. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: hey, my you gosh. Do, do you guys do any VoIP for your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
3: do. Yep. You got to.
0: Yeah, because if you don't, then they'll go to another company that does VoIP, who also mm-hmm. happens to do MSP work. Yeah.
2: So I want to speak about money, money
0: such easy money. I,
2: I, I, I want to speak about VoIP because I used to work for a telecommunications company and I dealt with the FCC. <laughs> so whenever dial tone is in play, there is a compliance and regulatory nightmare that comes along with it, right? So if you're providing VoIP, There are things that you can do and there are things that you cannot do. And the most cost-effective way to provide VOIP is A, get with a provider that will deal with the FCC end of things for you and um, either a white label program or a partnering program or spin up your favorite You know cloud-based pbx connect your clients phones to it and then have them pay for the sip trunks but you can only do this if you are not providing the internet as part of the service because as soon as you are become the owner of the dial tone you must file all the fcc forms um collect all the appropriate taxes and file all of this in the correct way with the FCC every year. And to put that in perspective, um, I helped file the, what is it, the FCC form like 433A and C and like a few others. Um, It took the better part of three months to gather that data for um, 5,000 dial tones. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And to put this like in perspective about how f- things like fines work, um, there was... Oh, God, I'd have to look up the name of the telecommunications company. But they were f- essentially fined a million dollars by the FCC because they didn't format their bills correctly. Ooh. So, like, this is... This is something you need to think about very, very carefully. I've seen a lot of MSPs be like, I want to do VoIP because everybody's doing VoIP. I'm going to go buy some 3CX licenses, spin them up in AWS, and connect some SIP trunks that I pay for. And then they just provide phones to their their customers and be like, all right, I'm a VoIP prov- provider now. And then do nothing uh, uh, about the FCC portion of it when you're providing dial tone. Uh, that is a very, very, very precarious position to be in uh, because if they find out, they will grill you alive.
0: Now, here's here's a, an interesting outlook, in my opinion. What if I'm providing them VoIP phones for free?
2: It's not about the phone. It's That's about the, the dial tone. It's the the where the dial tone comes from and who owns that relationship.
0: What if I'm providing the the dial tone for free? You still own that relationship.
2: You, you still own the relationship and you have to file the taxes. like the taxes must be collected for the call you know the, the and it's billed per minute, which like right there, that automatically creates crazy complications because like how the hell are you tracking call detail records. Um, You know, most, most business PBXs do not do this. They do not have the functions to do it. Uh, Because, you know, in a private branch exchange, nobody cares about call detail records that goes to the SIP provider or the analog or TDM trunks like it. Like it's not on PBXs to keep track of that. So like to keep track of that kind of stuff, you either need carrier class PBX switches, uh, which there are, you know, and there's some software ones out there, um, uh, but they're ridiculously expensive. Like you want to go buy a, a, like a physical carrier class switch. A used one will be in the range of a hundred thousand dollars. Um you know software based ones it's less but still a lot um, but you know it's it's the dial tone and the service being provided it's federally controlled and regulated wow. uh, so it's it's a gross gross nightmare so like the like i said the two to two ways to get around it are partner with somebody that deals with that for you and provide you know either white label or resell their service uh get it, get with a master agent or something like that uh, or provide, quote, PBX, you know, hosted VoIP or whatever. You know, you provide the PBX, you provide the phones, you provide the connection to the phones, but the SIP trunks that feed dial tone to that PBX must be paid for by the client.
4: Yeah, we just partner with somebody. It's so much easier. They handle they <laughs> right. handle so they handle support. I think what is it? Like we get like 15, 20 percent of you know whatever the recurring revenue is. It's so much easier, dude. You know, if they do support, you we just leave, we just lease phones. That's all we do. And they do all the service. It's so easy.
2: Right. Yeah, like Ray is a great guy to talk to about. This. Yeah, Ray's awesome. Ray's all I'm Ryan. guessing I'm guessing you're selling Ray's stuff.
4: Yes. i don't know i don't know what you're talking about man yeah, oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> i've never been a discord channel before ever <laughs> never zach never
2: are you all. in discord i think i am now i joined a discord that you mentioned i've been talking to ernest there
0: oh okay good so um, i'm guessing i'm there matt uh you partner with ray uh, Zach, does an FCC, etc. fall on trunk providers?
2: Actually, I resell Intermedia.
0: That's an- another easy one to do. Uh, let's see. Yeah,
2: I was doing their stuff long before I met Ray, so <laughs> it just it it works for me. Like I've got the integrations I want. and I might switch someday, but like you know, when you got somebody else doing it, it's kind of dummy proof. And if your cost calculations are already figured out, like, yeah.
0: Nice. Uh, what What else? Real, real quick, Matt, is there anything else in your stack that you didn't get to mention? Just the names of the tools.
4: Uh, no, but real quick, what I, what I wanted to say is uh, super quick is that um, being like, you know, we started about two, three years ago, I spent so much time looking at tools and, you know, I was huge in the the subreddit, you know, and reading the discord all the time. And I'm like, I was worrying so much about selecting the right tool. And I know a lot of people are like, well, there's like three different options and everybody either craps on one of the options or the other one's like the favorite. It's like, you know, just do your research, make a, make a decision and just go for it. You know, don't, I have been so back and forth, just listening to everybody else and kind of letting them you know, persuade me, like, I just bought this. And then, you know, I hear one person say, oh, no, no, that's a terrible solution. Don't go that way. And for me, it was such like an internal conflict that I always have to pick the right thing. So I think it's like, you know, whatever works for you, just make sure it works for you. And just go with it. No matter what anybody says, you know, unless it's some, you know, gross exaggeration that they're making, you know, just make something that's right for you and just pick it and go with it.
2: Right. And like, I can speak to that a little bit more because like, you know, when starting out, like, everybody says like well just pick what works for you. But most of these people starting out in their one man shops, they have no idea what works for them because they don't know how they want to work. Like it's it's difficult to know what you need when you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know what you're going to do until you start having clients. So like my mantra is pick something. There's so many options out there, some of them are crappy, but super cheap, you know, go with crappy or super and super cheap to figure out why it's crappy. If you don't understand why it's crappy, you don't know what you need to move to, you know, like, you know, and it's a great kind of like starting point to help build your processes, build your your service offerings, um, you know, then maybe transition to something that's better for what you're trying to do or to something where you want to reshape your service offerings you know Atera is a great choice for this because it's unlimited agents and per user for their system but it gives you kind of like all the little starting blocks you need you know yeah like for those of us who've been in the game for a while we understand that it's 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 not going to work for us but it's it's a i feel a good starting point for somebody just starting out you know get your Terra, pay your 50 bucks a month you know start selling a monitoring only plan figure out what the hell you're trying to do and then start developing a service offering from that i mean like you know unless you've got a hundred thousand bucks to sit and float on for a couple of years you know you're you need to start making money and oh,
0: ridiculous
2: <laughs> you know like don't don't get all tied up in trying to You know, buy lab tech and connect wise and then realize that you need a, you know, 400 plus hours to actually get it to where it's useful when you need to be out there hitting the the streets, uh, bringing in revenue. You know, there's there's, you know, value in like jumping into the pool, but don't jump into the deep end.
4: That's so right, man. This is exactly what I did when I started, too. It was the same thing. Like, all right, everybody's saying I need this. All right, let's buy this. And then it was so overwhelming. It's like, this isn't what you need, man. You need clients right now. You don't need to sit there for two weeks and, you know, get ConnectWise or LabTech perfect.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I can provide a, a counterpoint, uh, I'm also about two years old, but I transitioned from break-fix, so I've been kind of right. floating on my break-fix money. Right, uh, yeah. I was, Break- I was, like, I was transitioning moving.
2: from a viable break-fix business uh, into MSP is is a different process mm-hmm. than like uh, like I'm gonna file an L- L- LLC and like I'm gonna go start a business yeah, like I'm from pretty nothing. Today. yeah yeah <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> like that's yeah. a that's a different situation and you know there's plenty of people that can speak to that I mean like look at uh, MSP in a month like that book mm-hmm. is a great example of how to do a transition from one viable business to a different viable business. It's about business transformation of an existing business. It's not how to do it from scratch. Sure. Scratch is a different, completely different, um, you know, it's a completely different type of transformation. It's, it's um, you know, because like if you're coming from a break fix business, you probably have a pretty solid understanding of like what you need day-to-day because you've been doing it day-to-day on a billable basis uh whereas if you're just starting out and you just came from that corporate it gig then like you have no idea what you need i mean corporate it is way 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 different than than managed services and like it's a harsh harsh reality check for for those wanting to make that transition and and for them i feel it's it's best to like, go to the shallow end and dump jump in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you're, you're not going to learn to swim by reading manuals and building a swimming apparatus that you when you don't know what swimming is.
3: Yeah. Uh, for me, when I, when I was just starting out, I, I signed up with ConnectWise and LabTech, you know, pretty much from day one. Because I saw that that's where a lot of businesses eventually ended up at uh you know a lot of the big boy msps they ended up with connectwise and LabTech.
2: right yeah and there's so, a saying i've heard that all all roads end at connectwise
3: pretty much <laughs> uh and i i was of the mind that i didn't want to be three four years invested into another uh product and then realize that i wanted to switch or that i had to switch and then i'd be starting from zero you know, And then on top of that, I'd have three, four years of data and clients and computers to migrate over. And then I'm starting from scratch, learning the integrations, learning the scripting, all of that. Whereas here, I grow up with ConnectWise and LabTech and I learn everything. And so five years from now, I'm just five years more invested and better at ConnectWise and LabTech than looking at switching, uh, switching providers and starting from scratch.
2: Right. Yeah. And there's definitely value to that. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it helps that you transition from break fix because you, you had um, methodologies, you had SOPs, you had documentation of various things I'm guessing. And like, that's, that's a lot of legwork that if you're just starting out, like you literally have no idea what all that is or how to do it. Mm -hmm. And you know just being able to have a tool to start trying to do some of that that doesn't cost, you know, thousands of dollars is a great starting point. I mean, you talked about starting from scratch. Like I feel like if you if you dove into like something like Atera and started developing processes and developing SOPs and writing, you know, knowledge base articles, you can then turn that into templates and things like that that you could then overlay on top of another solution as you're transitioning, as you're growing, as you're maturing. Um, you know, so you're not, you're not truly starting from scratch. You're, you're, you're taking a framework and adopting a new tools and possibly new methodology. And, you know, it's a, it's a maturation process, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not, that doesn't work for everybody. And like, I'm not saying that's the only way to do that, but it's, I think for that one guy who's got that itch to work for himself and wants to hit the ground running, like I, I feel that that's like a good starting point.
0: So it is actually 10 minutes past the time we should have wrapped up. Um, I just want to say uh, quickly that I've been in business for over eight years now, and uh, I'm the guy that would, Change my tools a lot. Uh, for the first seven years of being in business, I I did the math. I think on average, I changed my RMM or PSA once every three months. And, uh, I've gotten picked on a lot for that in discord. (laughs) Um, don't do it. They all suck. I assure you I've used them all at least twice. Um, you just have to figure out which one sucks the least for you. If mm-hmm. uh, if you want to narrow it down at least and make sure that the ones you're looking at have the, the types of features you're looking for, check out that RMM spreadsheet. It's rmm.msp.zone. I will put a link here in the chat. Um, check that out. That'll give you a great starting point for everything from... Uh, features, capabilities, remote access, scripting, all that stuff to pricing and contract length um, and integrations. So that's that's a good place to start when it comes to picking your RMM tool. When it comes to picking a PSA, um, if you're going to pick an actual PSA instead of using something like a Zendesk, then you need to make sure it's going to integrate with all the other tools you use. And you need to make sure that it's going to help you automate the things that you needed to automate. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.